Hey guys, Craig here from Bass Lessons Melbourne. Welcome to episode 47 of the Player Profile podcast. This week I was joined by Jarman Donahue, a bass player from Melbourne who has a band called Men Imitating Machines. And um, this band is not your kind of regular, you know, four-piece pop rock indie band. Um, Men Imitating Machines is two guys, uh, Matty, a drummer, and Jarman on bass. Um, but it doesn't stop there because it's not regular bass like you or I might think of. It's um, He has a MIDI bass. Uh, he's got an incredible instrument built for him by Industrial Radio, who are a company based here in Australia but up in Sydney. And this bass is probably one of the best um, MIDI converter instruments I've ever heard and played. It really it just plays like a bass and the output is very very natural. So it was really cool to chat with Jarman about how he got into all this, his approaches to, to playing this kind of music, you know, a duo, um, but it's all kind of triggering synths and stuff. And now they're actually triggering um, video as well. So we get chatting about all that kind of good stuff. Um, uh, so big thanks to Jarman for coming in um, and bringing all this stuff with him. Uh, that was That was really cool. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, I couldn't do this without your support, so to speak. And if you like the music that's playing just now, that is um, a track called The Hunter from my band Pickpocket, which is available from pickpocketfunk.com. If you do like the podcast, please chuck us a review, a like, a share on social media. It all helps. Um, and as usual, this uh, production, shall we call it, is brought to you in part by the lovely people over at F-Bass. Um, they've been hand-making guitars and basses for over 40 years and offer um, original contemporary designs as well as more vintage-inspired instruments. So, um, thanks for listening. Without further ado, episode 47, Jarman Donahue.
Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Um, this is Craig here from Bass Lessons Melbourne and today I am joined by Jarman Donoghue for a player profile video. Hey Craig, how are you? Good mate, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming around. It's, um, it's cool that you brought all your toys and gizmos to make some noise. Yeah. Um, so you're in a band in Melbourne called Men Imitating Machines, is that right? That's correct, we're a two-piece, so we use MIDI drums and MIDI bass. This is my industrial radio MIDI bass. Yeah. It's a pretty future bass. Yeah, we'll get into that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so how long has the band been going? About 10 years now. Okay. Just sort of, uh, it's been a long road. Yeah. We're still doing it and we love it. And, um, and what were you doing before before that? Okay, I've always... been in and out of funk bands and metal bands and, you know. Funk some... metal bands. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, funk, we had a funk metal band. Uh, Thanks, 90s. Do, do jazz. I sort of learned my first instrument I started playing was trombone. Okay. Um, At high school, kind of thing? Yep, yeah, year seven. Signed up for trombone because it was the loudest thing I could get. <laughs> um, and that sort of got me reading bass clef music. Yeah. Um, wanted to play guitar. Old story. Some guys were forming a band, they needed a bass player. I'm like, I'll do it. So I went and bought myself a, a bass guitar. I got it off a mate, actually. And yeah, just fell in love with the bass. Yeah. Cool. What was your first bass? Uh, it was this really bad Japanese, it's called Esquire, like a 335 copy. Kind of ugly, but you know, I loved it. It's your first bass, you yeah. gotta love it. Unfortunately, I've sold it. Um, and the guy who's got it has still got it. Luke, I want it back, mate. <laughs> really, but you said it was awful. Yeah, but it's my first base. So I just, for the nostalgic reasons, I'd love yeah. to have it, yeah. So that was like uh, two humbuckers? Twin humbuckers, chrome, uh, had full body binding, F-holes. Um, it's a bit gaudy, but I loved it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I sold it because I needed the money at the time. To buy? Another base. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes, right? Yeah. But I've stopped doing that. I, whenever I buy something now, I like to keep it. and. Yeah. Yeah, so my collection's growing. Nice. So you were getting trombone lessons in school, and that was, I guess, like your, like you said, you're reading bass clef and stuff. Yeah. So how quickly did that fall to the wayside and the bass come into play? Um, I continued studying trombone after high school, um, in and out of concert bands. Like our local community band, I was sort of in that right from the get go because my dad's a trumpet player. Right. Um, and he really encouraged me to play music mm. um, and I'm so grateful for that all my really really good friends in life are all musicians yeah um, so yeah that's kind of at the core of my life is is music yeah social circles yep absolutely travel travel yeah we've been lucky to tour Europe three times now yeah and we're heading back next year so yeah really I feel quite blessed that we've been able to do that that's cool yeah, yeah. And some early influences on the on the bass when you started? Um, well, Flea, yeah. probably my number one back then. So this is like what, 80? Late 80s, nine? early 90s. Yeah. Um, suicidal Tendencies, uh, Infectious Grooves, that kind of okay. funky, yeah. heavy kind of stuff growing up with long hair and trying to be, you know, trying to be your heroes. Was there a bit of a scene for that in Melbourne? Um, yeah, there was. There definitely was. Um, there was that sort of new metal thing going on in the late 90s. We were trying to do it. 
Well, I mean, we were talking before cameras were on Super Heist with Drew. Yes, yes, he was one of my heroes when I was growing up. Yeah. Sort of, he's a few years older than me, so I was always like going, oh, because he's, <laughs> he's awesome sound, awesome bass player. Yeah. Which yeah, hey Drew. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the funk metal thing up until what early two thousands? Um, yes, two thousand, yeah, early two thousands. Then. Maddie, the drummer in Men Imitating Machines, we'd been sort of jamming in a, we're trying to make this a live electronic band with four, five, six people, and we could never get everyone together and this mm. coherent kind of band, but Maddie and I were always there, yep. and we just thought, why don't we just do this by ourselves? Um, so we basically started going, well, how can two people make more sounds? We went, well, MIDI. Mm. So we sort of started looking at ways that we can integrate MIDI into our live setup. So he had this old electronic drum kit. I went out and knocked this bass. I invested in a Roland VB99 with the pickup um, and started playing around with that. And um, had you done any kind of like digital, like laptop music or? No, I'd never really been into electronic music, never a fan at all. So what I don't was know. <laughs> It was just something new and cool. Um, I liked some of the sounds that you could get out of synthesizers. And I always, I'm not a keyboard player. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm a bass player, I feel comfortable on that sort of fingerboard. Yeah. And I just looked for ways that I could use my bass and get these really cool sounds. I had all the effects that you could ever, you know, whatever effect came out, I'm like, yeah, I want that. So you had lots of like stone boxes. Yeah, the big pedal board and all that. The boss. GT. Yeah. 6B, I think it is. 7 and then 8 and then 9 and then yeah. 10. Um, <laughs> but once I sort of got that Roland pickup on the bass, that just opened up a absolute limitless palette of sounds. Yeah. And for, what did that been? 2003, I started with the, sorry, 2005, I started really getting into the MIDI bass. Mm. So and what was the installation for that pickup? I stuck it on with double-sided tape just near the bridge. Right. And it's got like a little cable in the interface. Yeah. It's got a 13-pin cable that goes out to your um, breakout box, I guess. Yeah. It's quite a cool effects unit as well, but we essentially used it just for the MIDI conversion. Right. And it is good to a point. But you can't do fast runs. Does or the box have, did the box have sounds in it? Yes. So that was your synths and everything in the box? Uh, they're kind of synths. It's kind of like um, emulation. Right. So you could actually dial in a Stingray, you could dial in a P-Bass, and it was pretty good. Like if you shut your eyes with your headphones on, you get that jazz sound or P-Bass sound. Okay. And it was pretty good. Just the, the MIDI conversion was a little bit slow, mm -hmm. especially on the E string, really laggy. Yeah. Couldn't slap, couldn't do any tapping. It was pretty early days for that kind of... Yeah, I mean, Roland had been doing that since the 80s, but... <clears throat> for bass, bass, bass is difficult. Yeah, it doesn't translate well with that low E string or B string if you're mm. a five or six string player. But yeah, um, used that for probably five years or so, and oh, I was just on the internet one night and just Googled MIDI bass and industrial radio came up. Mm. And I'm like... These guys are in Sydney. So I rang him up and said, what's, you know, what's the deal with the bass? And uh, just ordered one. Sold my car, All bought right. the bass, and haven't looked back since. 
<laughs> I've been lucky enough to become an uh, artist with Industrial Radio. Cool. Uh, get to go up to Sydney and hang out with the guys every now and again. And so did you go up to Sydney to get it or just... I did. I drove up in my other car <laughs> and yeah, met Steve Chick, who is an awesome engineer. Like he is next yeah. level genius. I seem to remember them having a thing in Bass Player magazine or s- I remember that was the first time I kind of... Yeah. Yeah, this technology was used in the PV cyber base and the PV MIDI base. Right. So I'm probably not going to see it on the camera, but it's got split frets. Um, Piezo pickups do the triggering. So if I'm playing a G or an A, just holding it down, the bass already knows I'm about to play an A. As soon as I trigger it here, it's bang, yeah. Yeah. Did you like it when you were playing it before? It was heaps of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a it's a real you know rabbit hole. You just get lost in the sounds. It's yeah. really fun. So is that like kind of five years into men imitating machines? Like you know? yeah, roundabout. When we first started, I was playing an old Fender Performer bass with my effects. What's a Performer bass? It's a Japanese. It's like a P bass. Except it's a bit 80s looking. It's like a 1985. Really, really nice bass actually, but it's a it's a bit too thin down the this end of the neck for me. Okay. For a P bass. Yeah. Well, it's it's not really a P bass. Right. It's got a P bass pickup. Yeah. But that's about it. That's about it. It's really sort of that 80s. But it's a nice bass. A really nice bass. And you still got that one. Still have that one. Okay. So, what was the first gig like? with many imitated machines. Yeah, I mean, we played at a warehouse party in Collingwood. I can't remember the date for the life of me, but um, probably 08, 07, 08, mm-hmm. around about then. We were pretty raw, pretty rough, mm. but we enjoy it. And um, had you done like months and months of rehearsal and stuff? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, <clears throat> we just, one of our mates invited us to this warehouse party and he's like, oh, just, just play a couple of songs. And we're like, probably should start writing some songs then. Because they knew we were trying to do this live electronic yeah. thing and they were pretty interested in it. Um, we're quite fortunate to be involved in a, a nice arty community who are really supportive of us. Cool. Um, so yeah, we've been quite lucky along the years. We've had really nice shows just thrown at us without us having to mm. look for them. Well, I mean, there's not many people doing what you guys do that I know of around these parts. Not so much in Melbourne. We're, no, we're part of a community called um, Live Electronic Musicians of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the groundswell is definitely there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people getting out there with their synths and guitars and everything. And it's really, yeah, that groundswell is happening. Mm. And uh, the hybrid between... Uh, acoustic and electronic stuff it's just it's coming together mm. like if you listen to the top 40 how many rock bands are there not, not many not that many yeah everything's electronic these days but when you mm. go and see the artists live they have a band yeah but it's integrated it is all yeah. yeah and like drummers are triggering <coughs> pads and triggering the synths and all yeah. that kind of stuff I'm and sure keyboard bass players are playing mono synths for half the time yeah well this is why I like this because yeah like I said before can't play keyboard to save myself, but I can play bass. But here's a question. <laughs> the amount of money you spent on the bass, could I have got some keyboard lessons? I could have. 
could have, yeah. <laughs> just Point kidding. taken, but no, yeah. I love the bass. I'm a, as yourself, you know, I love playing bass. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we do. You can't, it's harder to rock out with yeah. a keyboard or, or even a key, guitar. Key guitar, no, yeah. not, not a fan. Yeah, there you go. So what, what did the, what did the writing process look like early on? Um, a lot of jamming, <clears throat> a lot of put the record on and just stream of consciousness, just yep. do whatever and then cut up certain sections that we liked and then try and relearn okay. what we played. And is, is some of that, from my experience anyway, if I've, when I've been programming stuff like flicking through patches? And then going, that's a cool sound. In the early days, yes, it was. Now we pretty much <coughs> do sound design ourselves. So we really want to step away from just the preset mm-hmm. synth sounds. We're moving more towards making our own sound. And I like sound design, but Maddie, he is just, that's his thing. He loves it and he's getting really, really good at it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So he's using FM8. I tend to use if, uh, Massive and another synth called Diva, which we were talking about before. Um, so we just stick, stick to the three synths, basically, because mm-hmm. there's too many. We'd yeah. rather just be good at a couple. So what, does he have like a V-drum kit or is it pads? Yeah, like, he's got a, <clears throat> uh, what is it, SPD30 Roland. So it's a little octopad. Mm-hmm. He's got a snare, not a hi-hat. Pretty simple. Pretty compact. Very compact. It's handy for touring. It's unusual that the drummer has less gear than the bass player. It is. It's, it's <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> but look, it's good because we can put it all on a plane. Um, we keep it under 30 kilos each. Mm. So yeah, we can just jump on a plane and take off when we yeah. can. So how, how do you, um, not so much categorize, but how, how would you describe magnetic machines? What's the modus operandi? example uh our catchphrase is live as fuck because we every note that you hear is us playing it there's no sequencing there's no back so there's track. no pressing play there's no pressing play when we stop the music stops okay um in the last sort of three four years we've been triggering our visuals live as well um that's another story that's quite involved. it wasn't complicated it enough. was already complicated but we just wanted to go to that next level of complication um, but yeah, over the last three years, we've really been concentrating more so on the visual side mm. of the show. Um, yeah, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how do you go, how, uh, how does it translate with two guys on stage, obviously, playing instruments, an audience are hearing essentially electronic sounds. It's um, on one hand, um, kind of DJ esque in terms mm-hmm. of like the the effect that you would have on on a crowd would be yep. the same kind of goal that a DJ would be going for. Yeah, we. My basic philosophy is when I'm writing a song, it's got to be danceable. Right. Um, I love people when they're dancing to our music. It's yeah. you, you get off on that kind of thing, you really do. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of <clears throat> more guys coming and just looking at the gear. Right. Asking lots of questions, how are you doing it, <laughs> what's this, what's that. But I, as much as I love talking about it, I'd much rather someone dancing and having a good time. For sure. Um, and I feel like if we're having a good time on stage, it generally rubs off on the audience. Yep. So yeah, if we're having a great time, 
we kind of forget about everything else. And do you get do you get that people kind of going, oh, have you guys ever thought about having a singer in? All the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, we do collaborate with singers from time to time. Yeah. Um, but we're really happy being a two-piece. Yeah. It's quite easy. Hey, Matt, can you jam? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than dealing with, you know, three, four, five people, whatever. Yeah. And does that give you guys a bit more freedom on stage? Like, is stuff quite improvised and jammy on stage, or is it... Set? We do have our song... <clears throat> we write a song. When we record it, we stick to it. But when we're playing live, if the audience is, you know, bopping away, we'll just keep keep, keep going. Yeah. Because we're not locked into that song structure so sure, much tracks or whatever as well yeah so we do definitely jam on stage a bit we're kind of limited in uh, the way that the we set up the songs the sounds are sort of almost preset mm. uh, our philosophy is we don't want to touch our gear apart from foot pedals mm-hmm. so the songs are pre kind of uh, the sounds are there um, so we don't really change the sounds too much in the song um, but yeah, we still get to jam and mm-hmm. probably have three or four different sounds per song. So I can, you know, flick through the pedal, okay. a couple of filters or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And is there melodic content? Absolutely. Okay. How does that happen? Uh, well, both Maddie and I do play melodies. Maddie basically makes the beats, but he also plays bass lines while I do some lead kind of stuff on the bass. Okay. Um, a lot of people. So does he? Sorry, does he have the same synth that you have? So you can just kind of seamless. It's the same sound, or uh, generally not the same sounds, right. but yeah, the same VST synths definitely. Yeah. Um, we were lucky enough. We were in Belgium. We met these guys called Hermit Lobby. They are really good at Ableton and really good at Max for Live, which is like a offshoot from Ableton. You can basically it's a a visual programming. Uh, environment where you can make anything that's in your head so come up with a sound idea or uh, a MIDI routing idea you can do it so these guys introduced us to that so we make all these custom little plugins so I could be playing an E instead of just playing an E we can split that note make it a G sharp and a F or whatever we can send those notes to different synths um, it's actually gets a bit complicated. We get a yeah. we get lost quite often in what we are doing when we're writing. Um, <laughs> but that's the fun of it, you know. You you, you discover these new things. Like, you have oh, to love wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have to love it. It's so complicated sometimes. But yeah, we do love it. And in in ten years, technology's changed so much as well. I guess that it's just mind-boggling. Um, Has it gotten easier? It should be. But we keep choosing the, the difficult path, so it's, um, it can be very easy. Like, there's so many good bedroom producers out there now. Like, they're amazing. Some of these kids are just... Because <clears throat> they've grown up with the net and grown up with full technology, they just, like a, you know, yeah. duck in water. They're just... Yeah. Really good. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit more about industrial radio. Yep, and, okay. Um, and what... So it's um, it's an organic bass, is it? Obviously, jazz bass. Yep. Style. It's got two regular pickups. These are humbuckers, disguised. Close-up camera happening. So yeah, regulation bass. You know, volume, volume, tone. 
Yeah. That's a MIDI so can CC. We, can we hear just straight bass? Absolutely. Okay. Regular bass. Regular bass. Nice pickups. Um, yeah, like I said, they're humbuckers. <clears throat> um, but it also has MIDI triggering, which is why I bought the bass. Yeah. So essentially, if you can see, the frets are actually split. So instead of being one fret, it's four little frets, so one per string. But um, it, yeah, so but it just it kind of looks like one fret, but they're just it's four individual pieces of metal it really is. closely together. So what Steve does with Industrial Radio, he um, actually cuts the frets. So they they were one fret. One fret. He cuts them, um, and there's a whole bunch of secrets under there. Wires. <laughs> wires let's just say that um so yeah if i'm playing that no it's already knowing what i'm yeah. about to play so the, the the fret on either side provides some kind of information yes yeah uh so open g it does track really well and the note will last forever but yeah, it's a nice bass as a yeah. regulation organic bass. Is it made by Industrial Radio as well? This particular <clears throat> one was made by a guy in Sydney as a custom build jazz bass. Um, but yeah, they are starting to make their own basses now. They've got a CNC machine. They're cutting their own necks, cutting their own bodies, yeah, right. hand finishing everything. Um, this is called the Pro 4. They've got a new one out now which doesn't have the bit of future up here. So does that, is that just a read-up? It is. So I've got full access to, I don't know if you can see, you can change a whole lot of things. And so just to change things, you hold down a string on a fret and yep. then flick the switch. Yep. And that sends a message to Yeah, so my G string <clears throat> is set up to be my different patches or different settings for the bass I've got two different settings. And how do you, is, does this come with some software that you can do all that with? It does. Um, there's like a app. Okay. <laughs> there's an app, um, it's just for the Mac at the moment, PC's out pretty soon. Oh, okay. Uh, more artists just tend to use Macs. Yeah, so that's why they've developed the Mac music, yeah. first. Um, so yeah, you can go in with your mouse. It's okay. more visual than going through the and theoretically the you could have something completely different on every fret of every string yep so you can have each string as a separate MIDI channel yeah or you can have all four as the one channel and if you do split those you can have basically a different synth or different sound on each fret wow. it gets pretty chaotic and what's happening at the bridge over here so there's a uh, individual pesos I don't know if you can see that little wire in there okay so that's like the piezo going back to trigger so each each string has its own little bridge yep it's like a separate bridge yeah. if you can see the gap between the yep um there's a strain gauge in here for bending um yeah it's actually quite a simple concept but it is really, really well, executed. well executed and this fingerboard is uh not wood no well it is you can see that's a rosewood board but yeah. then there's like a, a top uh, sort of plasticky cover mm, that goes on the top. There's routing all down underneath the frets. So there's four massive routes underneath. So if we did take one of those bits of plastic off, you'd see 
the wire that runs up um, behind the neck there, and, behind the fingerboard. And the, the cable, which freaked me out. Okay, let me just <laughs> turn that off. So yeah, this is the way the base connects to the world. Which is a, it looks like a, a monitor, is it a VGA? No, it's a, I don't know what it's called, but it's a 15 pin. As you can see, it's got a regulation jack out. I don't use it. You can get your pickup audio out of that and the MIDI out of that. And do the piezos have audio as they well? They do, yep. So you can have you get that nice bass pickups, piezo pickups. And a nice tinny piezo <laughs> sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tend to not use them. They're just a bit tinny. Yeah. But there's Steve's actually come up with a way of using the piezo pickups with the MIDI. Um, and it gives you a more organic feel of playing the MIDI. So it's like a hybrid between audio and MIDI. Okay. Really quite nice. Um, it's called, um, what is it called? Imprint. He's calling it Imprint Technology. So as you were playing the bass before, it's kind of a bit uh, on or off kind mm. of feel. You don't get that nice yeah. organic feel. But with the Imprint Technology, you can play it like a regulation bass. Wow you get all those awesome big fat sounds. It's pretty is, close as it is, but just having It that. is really good. Like the straight MIDI is B. <clears throat> I've tried three different systems. I've tried the Yamaha, the Roland system, and this. Yeah. This is just so far superior to anything else because it's not audio to MIDI. It is direct MIDI. As soon as it comes out. As soon as it comes out, it's right there. It's coming out as MIDI or no, as V. That little black box does all the MIDI conversion, so the one on top there. Yeah. So what does it come out as? I don't know. Some sort of digital. Ones and zeros. Ones and zeros. <laughs> and then on the back, there's some kind of conversion inside. Yeah, so behind this uh, plate, there's a you know big board in there. Yeah. Lots of electronics, looks pretty cool. Yeah. I can show you, you some photos. You should get one that's um, see-through. Clear, I've, I've said that to Steve. I said, With you should make this clear, that'd be really cool. Yeah, we do it. We do um, a lot of workshops, like um, trying to educate people in MIDI, Ableton, and okay. all the visual like side colleges and that kind of thing. Or? Yeah, kind of. We've done a few. We do more overseas than we do in Australia for some bizarre reason. Um, but it's really nice being able to spread the word of what we've actually discovered, and mm. so. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's part of why I wanted to get you on here as well. Cause yeah. it's, it's a it's a cool it's it's one thing to be able to, you know, triggering synth sounds has been around for oh, for a while, a long time. Yeah. But to make it musical and practical and fun and like not not gimmicky. Yeah, is and it's different. been it's been very rigid for you know twenty thirty years and now it's really only the last ten years I guess that you can have a lot of freedom with the electronic kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's that's my take on it anyway. And so it leaves the bass and goes down to the f your pedal board. The black box, yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's my MIDI cable out and goes into that MIDI merger. My pedal also goes into that MIDI merger and then this is out to a computer. Or a synthesizer if you want a, a hardware synth. And so what's the motu for the that's, that's our sound card, so... So um, the MIDI doesn't go into the sound card first? No. The MIDI you goes could. Straight into, oh, it's MIDI to USB. MIDI to USB, straight into our... This is not what we use live, we use a, a Mac Pro okay. for live. 
that's just my laptop. Um, yeah, so you can plug straight into an old analog synth if it's got MIDI in. Okay. The bass actually performs far superior with a real hardware synth. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no, you're getting a little bit of a delay out From of your computer, computer, you get yeah. delay in your sound card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go straight into a... a so actually synth, some of the limitations isn't necessarily the bass, it's the whole... Other ancillaries, yeah. And this is just a controller pedal? Yeah, so it's not, no sounds, no effects, this is purely MIDI control. But they don't, they don't charge it accordingly. It's no. still expensive to buy. It is still they? expensive to buy. Even though yeah. it's, like it I'm saying, it's like 40-year-old technology. It is, it's, yeah. But this is a very solid unit. Like, yeah. I stand on this left, right and centre. It's been around the world three times. Had some beers on it? Had beer on it, yes. I've had a few <laughs> beers spilt. But yeah, it's, it's a great bit of kit. Definitely. So this is where you used to change patches and manipulate sounds on the fly. Yep. Um, the way that many maintaining machines do the switching, we used to, I used to do the change my sounds. Yep. Now we have these Max for Live devices where Matt actually changes my sounds for me. Just because if we're jamming away, I'm a little paying attention. I'm like, ah, da da da, and um, he can just go next bit, and I go, whoa, yeah, okay, cool. Right. So he's kind of in control of the, where the song's going as we're playing live. I guess that way both thing happens at the same time as opposed to you doing it and not doing it or vice versa. We've had many, many times <laughs> where I'm like in La La Land and he's like, dude, next section, next <laughs> section. And I'm like, oh, oops, yeah. <laughs> so we developed this Max for Live patch where he does all the switching, the, like verse, the, chorus. The German encouragement patch. Yes, yes, I need it. <laughs> And I use this to switch between songs. So when the song's finished, I hit next song. That changes the Ableton set, and it also changes our visuals as okay. well. So um, what's happening in the computer or in the laptop, essentially? What's, how do you make That's it That's where all the magic happens. Yeah. Uh, so we use Ableton Live and Resolume, which is basically a way to get your visuals. It's it's just a grid. Put a video there, put a video there, put a video there. And with MIDI note, you just trigger that one, trigger that one, or trigger that one. Okay. That's a very simplified yep. way of saying it. Um, so yeah, currently we are trying to achieve just 100% our own material. Um, and that's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. How do you create video content? <laughs> That's a very open question. Um, basically at the moment I'm using a lot of stills. So I'll cut out, you know, I'll take a photo of your face, I'll cut it out in Photoshop, then I'll cut out your lips, try and animate your lips. In um, I use Apple Motion and yeah, very time consuming. Is this a learning process? Always. Jeez. Yeah. We've been sort of really concentrating on that in the last three, four years. First of all, we just grab, you know, YouTube, bang it up. But it gets a bit boring and a bit samey same. So yeah, we went, well, we want to be, we're an original band. Mm. Why don't we have original visual content as well? And so is it linear, i.e. you start here and you go to the end or can you? Yeah, we're, as with our music, we can change to the next section visuals will change as well and we can trigger whatever we want so the visuals are kind of like it would be playing like a loop 
Yeah, so you get, we'll take like a five or 10 second yep. video loop that we've made. We'll trigger it, trigger the next loop. We can trigger this one again. And we build up layers of visuals. So we'll have like a, a base layer, which is kind of like your painting or whatever. Okay. And then we can have different put stuff over in, the top. In that world. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so do you have you got like a a mascot like a like a a man imitating machine guy, you know like like Iron Maiden's Eddie or something? Um, well, we've got our little logo. You got a little logo thing, right? Yeah, that's our our logo. Yeah, we tend to use that a fair bit in the um, in the visuals. Yeah, it's like kind of our brand, I guess. Um, yeah, interesting question. Never really, but yeah, that's I guess we use our brand a bit with the visuals. But it's, a, it's an ever-evolving process. Like we're always, you know, you'll, you'll see some bit of art and you go, oh, wow, that's really cool. And you'll try and, you'll be inspired by it. You'll try and emulate it or, yeah. you know, I'll use that bit, I'll use a bit of that and I'll, in mm. my own brain, and meld them together. Yeah. Well, I was, I was asking you when you came around if you'd heard of Mr. Barrington and Edit Bunker. Mm. Um, there's drummer Zach Danziger in New York with um, Owen Biddle. He mm -hmm. used to play for The Roots. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yep. So they've got this thing, and they're essentially doing this, this very similar stuff. Yep. Um, but they kind of do themes, I guess. So um, they'll maybe have like a, a, a movie that they'll cut up and kind of flip yep. between scenes or be able to trigger sentences and that kind of stuff. Yeah. We use a lot of uh, <coughs> like words on the screen. Okay. So Matt'll trigger like a sample that is, hello, how are you? We'll have that on okay. the screen in real time, and it's we try and match up the audio and the visual. So it's, hello, how are you? Gets a bit chaotic sometimes. Yeah. Like the actual making it happen uh, is quite difficult. But once it's done, it's done. You don't have to do it again. It's true. It's a lot of um. I guess it's kind of because it's so like you're saying you can kind of do anything that's in your brain. Yeah. It's, okay, well, what do I do? <laughs> uh, yeah. For I me, I guess, like, because I'm used to being in much more of a, um, not that world, you know, auditory only, mm -hmm. you know, so when you start melding those two worlds together, it's, it's be hard for me to make that jump and kind of be able to put it all together in a way that's cohesive. Yeah, and, I visit a lot of art galleries to get inspired. Mm. Um, but I do find you get too much inspiration and you kind of go, well, what am I doing? Mm. So I tend to go hard on the input into my brain and I put it away. I don't take in any art. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to do what is in here. So I'll do that for a couple of months and then I'm like, right, I need some fresh art in my brain. I go out and visit some galleries and or just even uh, I follow hundreds of artists on Facebook or whatever and I'll turn them off for months and then I'll turn them back on and see what they're doing mm. and not necessarily copy but just be inspired Spotted, by yeah. them yeah and it's it's working for me so far yeah cool yeah and so then the the Mac Pro is that's doing the video stuff as well as the yes, audio yes it's got uh, it's got two three gig video cards in it so Pretty impressive machine. We've only just invested in that in the last six months or so. Mm. Before that, we built ourselves a Hackintosh. Not that I like it, but that was a super, super computer. 
Uh, it's just a bit dodgy with the USBs and they'd always drop out. Yeah. It's not a great look live when you're playing. Audio stops. Oh, yeah. Reboot the computer. And like two minutes on stage. Physical. Yeah. <laughs> and two minutes on stage might as well be forever. Oh. When you've got an audience going, what's yeah. going on? From when it's gone from like bang into yeah. nothing. Luckily, we've only had sort of two or three incidents where it's mm. dead. And we're kind of comedians, so we just tell a few jokes and muck about with the audience, and people seem to like it. So, you, do you guys have albums out? Are you saying like what's the? Um, we are legacy? signed to a label called Bit Normal. They're, they were a British-based label, and now we took over the label actually. Okay, because you didn't have enough on your plate. Maddie took it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Maddie signed a couple of international and local artists cool but it's kind of a we've, we've turned it into this kind of collective so we want to build it up a bit and then pass it on to another artist to sort of run it that's the plan we'll see how we go with that okay but yeah we're we've probably done does five that, or six eps and does the being on the label has that made has that facilitated this stuff made it easier or, or um yeah it's well it's taken us to europe three times which has been really like mind-blowing it's like a dream come true, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just gave us a bit more credibility. For when you're applying for things. And when you're applying that. for festivals. <clears throat> um, a lot of countries, when you are entering the country, you actually need to be sponsored by some entity. So the label actually does sponsor us, especially for the UK. Mm. You've got to yeah, get the right work permits or right. you risk you know, your land and they go, no. sorry, bye-bye. And if you've booked a tour, you don't want that. No. You don't want to be ringing up everyone saying, oh, we're here, but we can't play. Yeah. So, yeah, the label has been really good for us. Um, I mean, what label isn't? It's nice to be on a label. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're, we have been working on an album for probably three years, mm -hmm. but we just keep putting out EPs. <laughs> just like snapshots of yeah. where you're at kind yeah. of thing. And because we're constantly changing the way we do things, it's it's almost self-defeating in a way. Yeah, We're always looking for the new way of doing things and it makes it harder each time we mm -hmm. we discover new, some new process or something. But that's the enjoyment we get is actually discovering those new ways of doing things. Um, yeah. Do you sometimes have to check yourself and rebalance the, the music part of it? Absolutely. That's... Um, you know, like you could be, I can imagine being turned down some one hole and then going, actually, is it going to make the music any better? Yeah, this is it. Like you can get <clears throat> caught up in all the technology when the end goal is to produce a good song that people are going to like and dance to or yeah. go, oh, I like that. Stream. Yeah, or whatever they <laughs> <Not> do. Or buy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we did get caught up in technology quite early on and just. It's kind of like a pendulum. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. It is, you spend all this time on developing software or working out some way of doing something that's in your head and you forget that the goal is the song. So yeah, it's definitely swings technology, song, technology, song. Yeah. So I guess it's just having that balance. Yeah. I think we're on the right path at the moment with that. We're definitely moving more towards more about the art than the the tech mm. i mean they're, they're so intertwined with most modern music now um, but I, what i'm seeing is 
everyone's trying to do art really fast and just get it out there. But you can see straight through it. I can, I, I go, it's nice, but it just looks like you put no effort in. Mm. Whereas if you see someone who's spent, you know, hundreds of hours on 10 seconds of video, you go, that's real art. Someone's spent the time and put the effort in. You can see it. Mm. You can really see, yeah, that's someone who's put in that effort. Yeah. So that's what we're aiming for, is just being a bit more about the art. And is there some, some artists that you're kind of drawn, musical artists that you guys have kind of, kind of always looked up to or? Um, looked <clears throat> up to, well, Hermit Lobby, the uh, Belgium crew, they've mm-hmm. actually got an app out now called Playground. Um, and they've essentially come to that from Ableton and Max for Live and they've taken that next step, put it into an app and you play, you kind of remix the song right. as you're playing. Okay. I'll, I'll show you a bit later, it's on yeah. the phone. Um, me personally, I don't, now Now I'm sort of, my getting on a bit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Distinguished. Yeah, I don't tend to look up to any artist anymore. Like I admire artists and really appreciate what they're doing, but I don't have that uh, hero mm-hmm. kind of, you know, when you're a teenager, you go, oh, I want to be like that, I want to do that. I'm really trying just to be my own man and mm-hmm. do my own thing, if that's my detriment. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, It's a great ride so far. Interesting question. Well, yeah, I mean, it's because we, we talked a little bit about Square Pusher before. Yeah. Um, I saw him in Glasgow, I think, maybe, maybe about 10 years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. It was one of the best gigs I've ever seen. Yeah. He's, I was not expecting that. He, he, he had a drummer. Off the planet. As well, and he's playing bass. And there was the whole visuals thing going on, and yep, and killer bass player, yeah, great bass player, isn't he? So much energy on stage. Yep, um, I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. We've tried that live looping thing, which is you know really really popular now, and it's such a great way to build layers of your song. But we just find it doesn't doesn't gel with us. Mm. So we're we're just sticking to what we do. Yeah, it's you know, play to your strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And work on your weaknesses. <laughs> Don't worry about the weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's next? What's coming up? <clears throat> um, we are trying to take a break from gigging, but they just keep coming in and we can't say no, essentially. <laughs> uh, working on our debut album, so like a 10-year mm-hmm. album in a way. <laughs> and when we go to Europe next year, we want a whole fresh new set with all fresh new visuals. So we'll have our old set and our new set. That's basically so what we're working on. Pick right. between or? Nah, old, new. Out with difference. the old, in with the new. Okay. Yeah. We've changed the way <clears throat> we do our switching and triggering and the mm-hmm. way we've been writing songs in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. The old stuff, you just doesn't translate to the new way. Right. So we've just sort of, nah, that's that. Move on. This is, yeah, move on. Because you get bogged down like, it's really quite difficult sometimes. You're working on something, you're working on something, and being a perfectionist, you'll spend hundreds of hours on two seconds of audio. No one cares, really. <laughs> you're the only one that cares. Maddie is really good at saying to me, hey, it's done, mate. It's done. Yeah. Let's move on. It's, and it's really it, important. I guess, like, you know, good enough is a dangerous phrase, but sometimes it's. Sometimes it's good. You need it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good enough. Big picture. Big picture, you've got to look at the whole 
the whole set. Step back from the canvas. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So, um, you just mentioned you were looking for a backup potential yes. for this guy. Yes, so, Steve. Uh, and would that be the, with the new Piezo? Oh, I'm going to get another Pro 4. Right, it's the exact yeah. same. Yeah, I'll just get exactly the same base. Okay. Maybe different colour, but yeah. Um, and so, how, how long has this been around for? Uh, well, Steve came out with the technology in the 80s. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, he's been refining it ever since. Mm. Um, he used to have the audio of the pickups doing the triggering. Mm -hmm. Then he went to the piezos. He's been talking about going back to the pickups as right. the triggering. He's, I, I love and respect Steve so much. He is just, being an engineer myself, um, I look at his work and I'm just always gobsmacked. Mm. He's always coming up with fresh ideas. He'll pursue them. He'll go... Oh, didn't work cool next he's always never run out of fortune. never running out of ideas mm. he's just always thinking about the future and how we can make this better so he's basically been developing this for around 30 odd years mm. um, and yet I have not come across a better MIDI base and I've looked I've really looked and yeah now I'm lucky enough to be an artist with industrial radio so yeah, yeah like I said go visit the guys every now and again hang out and play some of their new gear and whatever they're working on. Um, amplification, is that a thing that you use? I gave up amps 10 odd years ago. Um, yeah, uh, basically straight out of the sound card, into DIs and then straight to the desk. So, and then just monitor on stage or? Yep, just use the fallbacks. We tend to keep the fallbacks quite low. <coughs> we use a lot of vocoders. Um, and if you get the feedback into your vocoder mic, you just, it's horrible mm. so yeah we tend to keep the monitoring down low um, when we're on stage we can actually talk to each other okay it's very low volume on stage ah. it's nice it's a nice change okay rather than just being you know drums in this year or how, and how does that affect your energy um, we have it to a point where it's still you get the vibe mm -hmm. um, but oh, and, and generally you're you never really had any problems with because you're really you're at the mercy of the engineers then and the in-house system. Most of our well, everything is pre-mixed because we're um, all the synth sounds are pretty much there. We send out a left channel and a right channel. Yeah. Um, we just say look hard pan that hard pan your right and left. Yeah. And most engineers just love it because they go cool. They ride the fader. They just give you some in the in the fullback. Yep. So is, you're getting. It's st stereo stuff, or yeah, because yeah. <clears throat> in my understanding, a fair number of in-house systems are mono. We hope they're stereo these <laughs> days. Most are like most modern <clears throat> systems. Um, like if you play through a Function One uh, PA, you got that nice big sub, and then you get those yeah. ultra piercing brights. Like um, we don't find too many mono systems anymore. Are you? Are you picky with where you play? Like, because it makes a big, you know, if you're if you're well, kind of relying on it. Yeah, we try not to be, but some some shows are just not worth the effort of. Like, we've invested a lot of money in gear, and we still love playing live. Yeah, but some the effort of actually getting to the gig and that it's just like well, kind of sometimes not worth it. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, yeah, we are we're getting a bit more picky. But look, 
end of the day, I will still play live anywhere. I love it. Yeah. I still love it. Yeah. And um, if you could go back 15 years and give yourself a bit of advice, what would that be, do you reckon? Mm. Buy Apple shares. <laughs> uh, musically, <clears throat> I actually wouldn't want to change much because it's been it's been a rad journey. Like we've learned so much over the years, just technology wise, and we've never really followed. There's been no one to follow, really. Mm. We've been inspired by a lot of other acts, but no one's. We've never come across anyone who's been doing what we've been trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we don't, we're not trying to emulate anybody or be anything. We're just pushing our own. Apart from machines. Yes. We, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we try and imitate machines. We, when we, Maddie and I first got together, he was sort of his own entity called Robot Raft. And, you know, we started jamming around. Uh, we did one show build as Robot Raft and then we had the catchphrase we are men imitating machines and then we went well just make that our name so it sort of stuck and we are 10 years later still yeah. doing it yeah but yeah our aim is to be like you know well into our 80s and 90s and still doing it still doing it wearing yeah. our suits hopefully I've got a, another one of these yeah <laughs> do you reckon you, you would ever kind of go back to being natural I would love to I would love to get myself in a punk band again just an old P bass plug it in plug it into the air yeah yeah I do miss it sometimes just that simplicity of it all yeah you know you just one amp one guitar and (laughs) three notes (laughs) but this like just sonically you cannot achieve that massive palette with pedals like God knows I've tried. And you get some really cool sounds out of pedals. Mm. But then you've got this pedal board that's like mm. four miles long. And, and you've got to adjust that little knob. And you know, yeah. you got to adjust that. Click, click, the next click, song. click here. And look, we're, I would love to do it all with synths, like hardware synths and old vintage analog synths. But reality is you've got a room full of synths and you can't really tour with the stuff. Mm. So we are we're actually trying to make things... Uh, we're trying to reduce the amount of gear that we're carrying around with us. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much reduced as much as I can get. I'm yeah. sure there's ways, like into the future, something will... <clears throat> things only get smaller with time, which is good. Mm. So, analogue pedals that you've had, have you tried the um, Deep Impact? And yeah. you still got one of those? Nope. Uh, one of my mates, Chris Shepperson in the UK, he... Um, 2013, we were there. And I had a go, I'm like, wow, this thing's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. But I'd already sort of moved on from pedals. Yeah. Uh, I've still got all of my pedals that I've had yeah. right back from the sort of late 80s, early 90s and yeah. early 2000s, whatever. There's a, there's a new version of the Deep Impact called the Future Impact. Okay, I've not made, seen that. Made by, I think it's Red Panda. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the things you would expect, much better tracking, you know, yeah. user control and stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, look, my favorite bass is still my Stingray, and I do get it out every now and again, and I still do have an amp at home. I plug it in and do, 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 do play away, and I love it. Um, but yeah, for many retain machines, it's just not the sound we're after. Yeah. We're after that synth, you know. Yeah. Or electronic. You've got to fill the speakers. We do, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I still love jamming with 
Yeah, the acoustic drums. Mm. Nothing will beat that ever in my mind. Because yeah. um, there's something that there is a weird disconnect. I did the gig the other night and it was V drums. And the sound, the only sound of the drums coming from front of stage is just. Yeah, it's a bit it's, strange. It's isn't strange because it? you're so used to it coming from wherever, like, you know, beside, behind you kind of thing. Yeah. That is when the drummer hits it, like, that's the sound you get. But when it's coming from the speaker and it doesn't, especially when it's trying to sound like organic drums different if it's what you guys are doing mm. um, we are we were trying to be fully electronic yeah. just using uh, real instruments I guess you could yeah. if this is real I mean it's a real bass but it's just yeah. got that added <coughs> extra MIDI that I do love yeah but yeah nothing in my mind will ever beat just jamming with a drummer being a bass player it's yeah it's like, almost like a conversation you're having you know well I think that's essentially still the DNA of all that you guys do, right? Yeah, oh, we're still like Matty's an excellent drummer, yeah. and we're we're musicians. Yeah, that's our primary role is we are musicians. Yeah, but we just got all this other technology that enhances, I guess, our musicianship. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Um, so, where's best for people to kind of check out Men Imitating Machines? And um, you can follow us on Facebook. Just look up Men Imitating Machines, or we've got a website, menimitatingmachines.com. <laughs> um, look, we play in Melbourne every month or so. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're in Europe, we'll be in Europe in 2019. Nice. Uh, but yeah, menimitatingmachines.com. Yeah. Uh, and the, lots of links. Mel and the Melbourne Live Electronic Musician. Melbourne. Musicians, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. it changed its name. Oh, it yeah. used to be called non DJ, electronic <laughs> non DJ. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but it's quite a little good community there. That, um, it's sort of grand swell in the last two, two, three years. Because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm seeing more and more acts just bringing in computers or bringing in synths. Mm -hmm. And that whole analog synth vibe is just. It's everywhere. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Who doesn't like you that analogue synth sound through a massive PA, it's it's awesome, that big wall of sound. Mm. I mean you can achieve it with a regulation band, but it's a lot harder. Yeah. I guess another other band that in recent times I can think of. Also Australian maybe maybe Pendulum. Mm. Did yes. you ever... from Perth, I love them. Yeah. I think they're in London now, living in Right. UK-based. I think the bass player was, he was running like a dual, a, a split rig, so he had like one natural thing and then one... Yeah, and the drummer's triggering all... Yeah. They, oh, it worked. It does, they're really, and they're great songwriters, like they just, yeah, really good. Yeah. But yeah, other artists that I really like, um, is a Norwegian guy called Ampro. Uh, we've become really good friends. He actually came to meet us in England the first time we went there. He flew mm -hmm. from Norway just to see us. So we ended up inviting him onto one of our shows. Mm -hmm. um, and we've become really good friends in the last sort of couple of years. Cool. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, I don't really listen to a lot of yeah, yeah. modern music anymore. I just, I'm more interested in visual arts now. And incorporating that. Yeah. Like I drive around to classical music because otherwise I get angry on the road. So I just like that. <laughs> Yeah, ABC Classic FM is what I listen to when yeah. I'm driving. Get a bit old. <laughs> Kids these days. Yeah. 
But look, growing up, I loved metal. I loved um, punk. And then, uh, remember a band Infectious Grooves? Mm -hmm. They did that sort of punk, funk. Once I heard that, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's what I want to do. I love funk. I love the punk. I'm like, yep. Yeah. That's where I'm headed. Yeah. And yeah, from there, just electronica just sort of fell in my lap. Mm. Never made it before this band, really. I mean, I had a copy of Fruity Loops on I it. I guess it's, you know, essentially it's just a, it's a tonal palette as opposed to, uh, you know, a specific genre that you guys are doing, essentially. Yeah, it's kind of hard to define our genre. Like, people... When you first meet them, they're like, I'm in a band. Oh, yeah, what sort of stuff do you play? And it's like, well, how long have you got? Because it's yeah. not... Because it's not like EDM in the, in the modern sense of the world. No. It's like it's, four on the floor kind of thing. It's, no. And because we're so free, like, we're not bound to 120 BPM for the song. Mm. We can slow right down or speed it up mm. or you know, change sections or whatever. Which I really love having that freedom within a, a song. Yeah. Um, do you guys have a YouTube channel? We do. Yeah. Yeah, so there's I'm a sure bunch of stuff on there. Yeah, if you search us, if you, I'll put, all it, the, I'll put stuff in the in the yeah, all the links are on our website too. Oh, so. cool. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> the website's just a whole nother mindfuck, <laughs> <laughs> constantly updating, constantly changing. But for me, our live show is like the primary thing that we yeah. want to do. Not really fussed about releases or, mm -hmm. you know, trying to sell stuff online. Just we're all about that live show. I feel that's our our biggest asset. Well, that's the thing that's never going to be replaced. No. I think. No. And we found, like, with our recordings, we can't translate that live feel in mm. a recording. We've tried just, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. One day we might. Volume. Volume, yeah. <laughs> But when we, recently we've stopped playing to a click track when we're recording. We just go totally free flow. As you would do live. Yep. And they are, the tracks are starting to sound a bit more fluid and mm. better in my mind, yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit harder when you're trying to cut things up and do the editing or whatever, but mm. we are just going, okay, start song, end of song, that's it, done. Maybe some kind of live album? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're thinking the the visuals, you could have you you could probably record the visuals. We've had the idea of actually <coughs> making our film clips live, so we have the we're triggering the film clip and making the film clip. Yeah. Sort of yeah, happen real time. I mean, yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So you record the audio and the video separately, and then stick them together. Yeah. 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 Totally. We've we would love to do it. It's just time. Mm. Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours it's yeah, it's a bit of a rabbit hole yeah man well I better let you get back to your yeah get back to my real life get back to your real life <laughs> which is I am a biomedical engineer by trade um, I work for a rather large corporation <laughs> in my real life um, which I really do enjoy it's yeah. very rewarding um, I'm in healthcare so it's yeah, helping people, yep. essentially. Real patience. There you go. Mm. Awesome, man. Well, thanks very much for coming around. Thanks, Craig. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Jam and Donahue, everybody. <laughs>
Alright, hope you enjoyed that interview with Jarman. And if you're anything like me, you were probably straight on to the uh, Industrial Radio website to check out those cool bases. Um, thanks very much for listening, guys. I do appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning, if you like the podcast, why not leave us a review, share it around on your social media, um, and I look forward to bringing you some more interviews very soon. Cheers. Cheers.